Good morning, and for those people watching in from Spain, buenos dias. Today we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 3, but first by way of remembering, let's recall what happened when Jesus started his public ministry in Galilee. Luke chapter 14 describes Jesus as doing this. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up in front of everyone and he read the scriptures. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and he enrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All eyes on the, in the synagogue were upon him at that time and they looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them and he said, the scriptures you just heard today have been fulfilled in your hearing. Now in Matthew's gospel, we read that Jesus was going through all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So as Jesus turns up to yet another synagogue in the chapter we're going to look at today to minister and demonstrate the kingdom of God coming and not everybody was happy. Actually it got a bit lively in this synagogue meeting because when Jesus unleashes the kingdom into a meeting things happen. And Jesus taught all his followers to pray, Father, let your kingdom come and your will be done. And so we've all been invited in to see this expansion, ongoing expansion of the kingdom of God onto planet Earth. Now, when we pray for God's kingdom to come, we better understand what we're, something of what we're praying for. In 1995-96, there was an incredible breakthrough year across the churches across the globe. Um, it was really a visitation from heaven. In meetings, people were unable to stand because of the glorious presence and the weight of God coming upon us. It was gloriously overwhelming. My being overwhelmed, well, what happened to me? I was preaching one day in a big hall called St. Andrew's Hall in Norwich, and the, the presence of God came down, and there was a, a big preaching table behind me, and as I was preaching, the power of God came upon me so powerfully. I ended up, I couldn't stand, I ended up being laid out across this table. It was almost like God's hand was upon me so strongly. And the thing was, people started laughing because it was so funny for them. And I'm lying there just enjoying the presence of God. And I said, God, why have you done it while I'm preaching? And I just said, felt his sense. It wasn't that good. And it was just such a fun time. But I tell you what, as the presence of God came, people were being healed, delivered, overwhelmed with his peace as the kingdom come. There were some screams coming out from people as deep emotional pain was being released uh, and others were, were filled with joyous laughter. It was like heaven breaking in on earth. In those, to be honest, in those days I had some struggles because of my religious orthodoxy and understanding what a church meeting should look like and, and why it was being reshaped by heaven coming and touching earth. But the fruit and the breakthrough in lives and churches was astounding. People were delivered from all sorts of stuff, unclean spirits, spirits of infirmity, and um, people were unbound. I, I saw people doing backward somersaults. They were, were freed from pain in their spine. I'm thinking, the, their spine's going to snap. But Jesus, who's a creator, he knew exactly what he was doing. And the Holy Spirit 
is good because God is good. Holy Spirit, we love you. So we became used to spiritual conflicts. You see, as kingdom of heaven breaks out, there is a response, there's a reaction from the enemy. I remember I was, when I first started doing Alpha in this building in Norwich, one of the first evenings, I was speaking, and I just started speaking, and this drunk ran into the building, and he grabbed the microphone, the fact that he was wearing lime green fluorescent shorts, an overcoat, and carrying a load of beer in a um, carrier bag, it just added to the excitement. And I'm thinking, Lord, I don't know how to handle this but we managed to get him gently out. Um, the next week, a skinhead came in, and he got a bit volatile with us, so he ran out, because he, he reacted to the gospel. Uh, there was a reaction, not a, not a positive response, but he ran out of the building, and he saw this, uh, there was this car outside, and he kicked the headlights in with his bother boots of this car. So I went out and followed him, and the guy who was driving the car, he just bzz, put the window screen down, he said, Interesting people you have in your church. The great thing was, two weeks later, this lad, he came along to Alpha again and gave his life to the Lord, and he was transformed. You see, spiritual conflict and reaction can happen when the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of coming is at work. So it's never a dull moment. A visiting preacher from Toronto um, spoke about the dangers of Freemasonry one evening, and it looked like a battle zone as the Holy Spirit came and set people free from curses. There was so much deliverance. Uh, they weren't even aware, some of these people, that they, there was curses placed upon them because some of their um, relatives had been involved and sworn, sworn oaths under Freemasonry. But Jesus brought the kingdom of God that evening. And so it was an unusual expansion of the kingdom of God at that time. I remember one of the um, side effects of this is that church after church was given resources to have bigger buildings because God is not only bringing his kingdom, he's resourcing the expansion and the effects of that kingdom on planet Earth. That year, doing church changed. We understood and experienced something tangible of the kingdom of God coming and bringing incredible transformation. There was a visitation of his kingdom across the globe. But I believe, like many others, what is now breaking out is not just a kingdom visitation to the church, but a habitation of his presence to the church, which will flow out into the world as the Holy Spirit gets a church out of, their, out of our buildings into where the desperate need is. Only last week, my wife and I went on a bike ride. We clad in like her. Yes, I'm sorry about that. But it, we were cycling through this village, and we found, before we knew it, we were talking to somebody, and we ended up praying for them uh, about an, a, a physical need. And uh, this person walked by. It must have been hilarious. Us two cyclists in Lycra praying for somebody in the middle of a village. And as I cycled along, I said to Sue, who would have thought when we woke up this morning, if the Holy Spirit would have told us, today you will be wearing Lycra, cycling through a village, and you're going to bring healing to somebody who you've not seen in a long time. But that's the, that's the excitement of following Jesus. So, let's read Mark chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Jesus went into the synagogue. And, a, and, he no, and again, he, no, and he noticed a man with a deformed hand. Now, since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Now, I just want to draw your attention firstly to this. Jesus noticed the man's hand. 
You see, by his actions, he revealed the Father's heart. Jesus said, I only can do what I see the Father doing. And to express the Father's heart, which he did all the time, we, we can do that also. But we must know and experience the Father's heart for ourselves. It's not a case of just getting a doctrine on it. We really need to have the Father's love and heart and compassion and gentleness touch our lives and his forgiveness that we can minister only then in power. Now, Jesus moved with such love and compassion. People in a hurry seldom see what is staring them in the face. There is a recorded incident where Jesus agrees to visit a home of a synagogue ruler because his daughter is, this guy's daughter is dying. And on the way, he's interrupted by a woman who is in a desperate need, asking for prayer. She's been ill for 12 years. Now, you'd think really that Jesus, well, I can't do that. I've got to sort this one out because this woman's dying. But Jesus had time for her and he ministered to her and he carried on with the original plan. You see, he stops, he listens, and brings healing to her before continuing. See, Jesus had time because love takes time. Hurry doesn't have time. There's a book, a super book out at the moment called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And John Mark Comer's comments is this, I am struck by how fiercely present Jesus was with people. I can't imagine him half talking to you, half texting on his iPhone. When he was with people, he was fully in the moment. Kingdom of heaven was fully in that moment. You see, Jesus noted this man's hands. He just noticed it. And as he noticed it, he sends the, the kingdom of God is about to break out. Also, Jesus was training his disciples to live and minister like that. You've got to remember that. This is a, also a training um, incident for, for his disciples because one day he knew that he would be passing on the baton to them to continue this ministry. As it has been passed down through the centuries to us, we have to learn how to handle this baton if we're going to see the kingdom of God come. In Acts chapter 3, we see a story that P, um, the apostle Peter and John, they go up to the temple um, one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock service. I'm reading from Acts chapter 3 as, as I'm speaking to you. As they approach the temple, a, a, a man lame from birth, just imagine how difficult that is, was being carried in. Now, each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going up into the temple. When Peter saw and John were about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter looked intently at him, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I do not have silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, we've had the privilege of walking up those steps to the great gate, beautiful. It's all now blocked off. You can't get in to the, to the main temple area. But it's interesting to note from this story, and we, we saw it happening, it, that, that he would have been up, they would have gone up that day, that, those steps, many, many times. They would have seen this guy many, many times. But on that day, Peter saw something in his spirit and obeyed the prompting of God and saw incredible 
healing take place. And if we want to move in the supernatural power of God, we will need to slow down in order enough to see people, how the Father sees them and take the risk of faith to respond to the Holy Spirit's prods. Now, Jesus, in verse 3 of chapter um, 3 of Mark, Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. How embarrassing is that? Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Interesting. Is this a day to save life or destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. You can imagine some people muttering, how embarrassing to do that to a disabled man. Jesus, it's okay for you to quote from Isaiah about what the kingdom will do, but please don't do this stuff in the meeting. As Fred Astaire sang to Ginger Roberts in the film Follow the Fleet, there may be trouble ahead. See, Jesus knew that in the kingdom coming, there would not only be kingdom action, but a ungodly reaction. Jesus, please, don't interfere with our service. Keep that out there. You'll just get them angry. You'll just get them angry. The Pharisees were more concerned about order and familiarity, not of this supernatural stuff. Anyone would think Jesus was playing God. Little did they know that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Come on, Pharisees, this, this man's life was about to be changed. He might be able to eat with a knife and fork. They were more concerned about keeping the religious order than seeing life transform. And if it takes, whatever it takes to see life transform, I think we need to have a higher view of that rather than keeping to our religious order in meetings. Yes, but it's so undignified in a church meeting. Maybe they were more concerned about the synagogue service, about it being neat and tidy, with no interruptions. Jesus was messing up their order of service. In his excellent book, um, Bill Johnson, um, there's a book called When Heaven in Invades Earth. He said this, the doctrine stating signs and wonders are no longer needed because we have the Bible was created by people who hadn't seen God's power and needed an explanation to justify their powerless churches. The Apostle Paul, when he writes to Timothy, he said, there are some people that will have a form of godliness but, but will deny the power of God. We don't want to be like that. We don't want to deny the power of God. We want to be godly, not a form of it but we want to be people who are filled with the Spirit, who are expecting that God can do more. And so we, the story continues. Jesus looked around at them angry. I mean, Jesus actually got angry. He didn't, didn't sin. He's the only one who had a right to be angry, I guess, because there was no sin in him. And he was deeply saddened by their hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored. Now, what it doesn't say, how quickly it was restored. It may have been, bang, just like that. But it may have been five minutes as it grew. You know, we have seen legs grow in our meetings. And it doesn't like, boom. It might be five minutes as, as God realigns spines and grows legs. I mean, we're hearing incredible stories right throughout the world. But there's a last sentence in, in this episode Mark recorded was so illuminating. 
at once. The Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Now, we'd never kill Jesus because, you know, if we'd been there, but, but we, we don't want to kill the work of Jesus in the church. As Jesus is the head of the church, he can, he can rearrange things. You know, what we're ha what's happening with us at the moment with COVID, Jesus is using it to rearrange things. Church will never be the same. It's going to be better because he's rearranging things, I believe, by spirit, through these difficult circumstances, to bring greater measure of the kingdom coming on earth amongst us. You see, Jesus not only brings healing and wholeness to the person, and in the synagogue of all places, he confronts these Pharisaic hypocrites who claim to know so much about God, but were totally ignorant of the fact that he was right there standing amongst them, healing the sick. We sing the songs. <laughs> it's your presence, Lord, we need. But let's, let's be sensitive that when the presence of God comes in greater power, we let God out. You see, there's this reaction, action and reaction. You see, it can get a bit messy when the kingdom of heaven is released. In Proverbs 14.4, there is this interesting verse. It, it, the Proverbs writer said this, where there are no oxen in the manger, it remains empty. So when there are no oxen in the stall, the manger remains empty. But from the strength of an ox come, an ox come abundant harvests. That's interesting. But do you want everything clean and tidy, but no fruit? It's interesting, Revelation chapter 4, verse 6. Jesus, in John's revelation of, uh, of heaven, he saw Jesus that was represented by the man, the lion, eagle, but also an ox. Jesus perhaps is messing a few things up. But what we want is harvest. It says not just harvest, harvests. We want to stay in this as God brings kingdom expansion to us. You see, Jesus was full of the Father's love and kindness. He reaches out in pain and, and takes away the shame that others carry. I would imagine this man with a withered hand would hide the shriveled and deformed part of his body. And particularly in the religious culture that there was then, people would often think that such deformity was caused because either his sin or some, a relative's sin. And even disciples had this perception. There was a blind man, um, we, we, we read in John chapter 8, John chapter 9, that Jesus healed this blind man. And the disciples came to him and said, well, who, who sinned here? Was it him or his, or his parents? And Jesus said, no, neither. This was for the glory of God. And we're going to be walking into situations where we're going to bring God's kingdom because it's going to be the glory of God. Don't see things as a problem. See things as an opportunity. Now, here in this story, there was no mention made of his condition being anyone's fault. But Jesus called him out into the front of the crowd and said, stretch forth your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored to the original maker's design. We long to see what Jesus did then to be doing now amongst his people. Because there are so many bodies ravaged by sickness. There are so many souls withered, hurt, with shame, mental and spiritual torment. 
Sue and I have just finished a, a supernatural school of life. Actually, we finished it yesterday. And, and we've been, it's been a really good experience for us to expand in our understanding of how God works. Um, each week, we go up to Milton Keynes, 250-mile round trip in the car. And at times, we thought we were crazy. We did 4,500 miles before COVID and uh, brought the lockdown. But thankfully, for Zoom meeting, we continued to the end. But every week, I kid you not, every week, it was either torrential rain, accidents, motorway closures, or all three. And at times, we'd turn to one another and say, why on earth are we doing this? Every time we concluded, because we want to see kingdom breakthrough and in healing and seeing the kingdom of God come to bring freedom to others. Because that's what the kingdom of God does. He sets at liberty those that are bruised. And seeing a kingdom culture established on earth is a dream of God. And it must also become the dream of us, his people. It's interesting to note how these religious teachers of the law were more interested in naming and shaming people than bringing healing and wholeness. You see, legalism kills, but the spirit gives life. On another occasion, um, a woman actually had been caught in the actual act of, re of adultery. It was brought before Jesus by these Pharisees. And they made her stand in front of Jesus and the group. How shameful is that? And religion can shame people more than the world does. Why didn't they drag the man out as well? It takes two to tango. No, because it's just a woman. You see, the religious leaders were waiting to trap Jesus yet again. Jesus picks up a stick and he draws something in the sand and he doesn't say in the scriptures what he actually wrote. But what, what it says that one by one, these accusers left. I would just love to know when I get to heaven, like many of us, what, Jesus, what did you write in the sand? And uh, Jesus said this uh, to his accusers, he who is without sin, let him throw the first stone. That's legalism for you. In that moment, the kingdom came and touched her life. This woman caught in adultery, and Jesus said to her, where are, you, where are your accusers? They have gone, my Lord. He then said, neither do I accuse you. This is the kingdom of heaven. Neither do I accuse you. Go and stop sinning like this. The one person who was qualified to accuse and judge this woman caught in adultery didn't. And at that moment, through the grace and the mercy of God, Salvation and deliverance touched a broken and shamed heart. You see, in Proverbs 14, it may be actually now even that there is somebody watching this this morning. You know you're in an adulterous relationship and you're full of shame, you're full of guilt, but you're caught in it. Proverbs 14, 12 said this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but ends in death. Do not let shame keep you in the shadows. There is forgiveness, there is restoration, and there is a future hope. Deal with it, turn away from it, repent of it, receive God's mercy and his love. You see, shame damages our identity. As that man stretched forth his withered hand, by the power of Jesus it was restored and made whole. Please notice in this story that it was Jesus who called him out. 
not to shame him, but to release him and bring wholeness to him. Prepping for this talk, I had a strong sense that there is at least one viewer currently watching today that you are hidden in an addiction to gambling. Not even your wife knows, your family don't know. As with other addictions, the consequences of gambling can lead to feelings of total despondency and helplessness. Jesus has a power to set you free and to take away the shame that comes from it, that hidden shame. On our wonderful trip to Israel, we, we stayed in a hotel just around the corner from a bus station in the middle of Jerusalem, just on, on the outside the city walls. And we, uh, we said to our guide, where, where, where's Calvary? Where, where did Jesus, where was he crucified? Where is his place of Golgotha? And they said, it's behind the bus station. Bus, bus station? I can't believe that. Anyway, we went up and we saw behind this bus station, lots of buses there, was the place of the school. It was shaped in the rock formation, there's caves in it, in it and it was, it was Golgotha. And that's where Jesus was crucified, not just to remove our sin, but to take away our shame. You see, if you look at these Renaissance artists, they picture Jesus crucified, but he had a loincloth on. That's not what happened. He, was, he hung there naked in all the shame and the embarrassment because of his love for us, so that he could take away our sin, wipe it clean by his precious blood, but also take away the shame. You see, Jesus has the power to set you free. Not only to remove the sin, but also to remove the shame. I want to conclude now by praying. It may be that there's a part of you that is withered right deep down inside, not, perhaps not a physical hand, but you know there's a part of you that's withered through what you've been doing. I want to say to you, Jesus can restore that which was withered. And Father, I pray now. First of all, I pray for your people, that we would be so hungry to position ourselves to pray daily to see your kingdom come, not just in the church, but out there. We pray, Lord, would you visit us with your kingdom power, your manifest presence daily. But also I pray, Lord, for any person who is still locked in the shame that's caused by wrong decisions or even things have been done to them. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you would bring freedom, particularly for that person who is, is just stuck in the gambling habit he can't break through. I just want to pronounce freedom to you in the name of Jesus. God loves you. God wants to forgive, restore, and bring healing to you. Amen. Well, we're now going to continue our worship with Andy and the team. So Andy, over to you.